I'm Kathy Ballman with Ballman Ranch in Gonzales, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're seeing more problems with Hessian fly in wheat here in Texas. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The largest property tax reduction measure in Texas history is on Governor Greg Abbott's desk for his consideration. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag today on the multi-billion dollar package to reduce property taxes across Texas. One of the most significant crops produced in the Texas High Plains is sorghum. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we're going to look at the role the sorghum checkoff plays in helping the farmers who grow that crop. The Bermuda grass stem maggot is a pest of Bermuda grass hay fields and pastures. The larva or maggot feeds in the top shoots of the Bermuda grass, causing the top two to three leaves to turn brown or white. Coming up, we will discuss this new pet. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The drought did a number on this year's wheat crop and Hessian fly problems in central Texas added a one-two punch. Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson. I think it is getting worse, and it's not that the fly hasn't always been here and been a problem. It weather-related, the warm seasons that we have with limited cold temperatures, and I'm talking about, you know, temperatures down below freezing to terminate some of those flies and slow down the laying of eggs. That's really what I think is probably coming the bigger problem. With the Hessian fly problem growing, Fenderson recommends using more tolerant varieties when planting this fall. We're doing a pretty good job now of sorting out and finding out what varieties have got decent tolerance to the fly. I don't think anything out there is perfect against Hessian fly, but there are some varieties that certainly float to the top. And those are the ones that we saw having really good yields this year, especially the ones that were able to vernalize more normally. Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson. The main job of the Texas Beef Council is to promote Texas beef, and the TBC has found some phenomenal success doing that with a TV series called Barbequest. Texas Beef Council Executive Director Molly McAdams. 
This is a show that has really defied all boundaries. It's a show about barbecue restaurants throughout Texas. It's a great narrative. It's very approachable. It's very friendly. But in the third season of BarbaQuest, we took it beyond the pit and we also visited local ranches and we heard stories about tradition and legacy and innovation. We took the crew to a feed yard where they could see how innovation is used in the way that we produce beef. That show has been such a hit. If you'd like to watch BarbaQuest, you can find it in several places. If you're going to search it, it's BBQuest. You can find it at BeefLovingTexans.com, right on our homepage. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Or if you subscribe to Hulu, you can find it there as well. It was actually trending on Hulu nationwide. It was trending on Hulu, which is a really big deal. But you can watch it for free through BeefLovingTexans.com and because consumers love barbecue so much, and because in Texas barbecue is beef, it really turned out to be a really great intersection for what we do together. And man, BarbaQuest just really highlights barbecue and Texas and our traditions in a very positive way. And it's a great story for cattle producers because they're featured in this season. The show is now in its third season. The Texas legislature has passed an eight billion package to reduce property taxes. Tom Nicoletti goes to Austin for the details. After unanimous passage by the Texas Senate, the State House of Representatives also approved the largest property tax reduction measure in Texas history. In Austin is Joy Davis, Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director. And Joy, what does uh, the property tax legislation uh, provide in the way of uh, the much needed tax relief for Texans? Well, Tom, these pieces of legislation have a lot of moving parts that will benefit Texas farmers, ranchers, rural landowners, and millions of other Texans. First off, we have Senate Bill 2, and what it does is provides a $100,000 homestead exemption on your school taxes. Now, that'll be up from the current $40,000 homestead exemption. The second thing it'll do is provide $7 billion in what they're calling tax rate compression, and that should cut the school tax rates for everyone. Third, it's going to provide non-homestead properties. So anyone that has a second home, rental property, and even commercial property, it's going to provide those properties an unprecedented 20% circuit breaker. Now, HJR 2 is the constitutional amendment. So all of this will be put to the voters in November, and they'll get to vote up or down on this. The second piece of this property tax relief is going to be at Senate Bill 3, and this doubles the franchise tax exemption, and they're saying that this should help 67,000 Texas businesses to keep them from paying franchise tax anymore. Thank you, Joy. That is Joy Davis. She is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director. Those bills are now on Governor Greg Abbott's desk for his consideration. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. One of the most significant crops produced on the Texas High Plains is sorghum. James Hunt takes a look at the role the sorghum checkoff plays in helping farmers to grow it. 
Back on July 1st, the United Sorghum Checkoff Program celebrated its 15th anniversary, having put together a strong record of achievement. With the support of farmers, including those here in the Texas High Plains, the Sorghum Checkoff's resources have helped expand international markets, introduce new herbicide technologies, develop sugarcane aphid-tolerant hybrids, and discover advanced techniques to boost production. Quite a track record already, but Norma Ritz-Johnson, the Sorghum Checkoff's executive director, says there's more to come. We're one of the newer checkoffs among the field crops out there and have been able to accomplish a whole lot, but we're not going to rest on our laurels and, and our aim is to look to the future and to build on those successes. And I feel very good about that given the bold producer leadership that we continue to have. Johnson says as the checkoff moves forward, one thing it wants to do is help create greater awareness among consumers and within the food industry of sorghum's virtues, including the fact that it is a very sustainable crop. We've actually been able to trademark the resource-conserving crop when it comes to sorghum. We've long known that sorghum has the ability to withstand some pretty tough and pretty versatile environments. One of sorghum's most celebrated traits is its ability to use water so efficiently, an attribute that the checkoff wants to continue to build on. We're continuing to invest research dollars into understanding more about that trait and continuing to improve that part of sorghum as well because water continues to be increasingly limited in many areas. More from Norma Ritz-Johnson on the checkoff's future ambitions tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Bermuda grass pastures in Texas are now dealing with a new pest. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson has more. The Bermuda grass stem maggot is native to South Asia and only infests Bermuda grass and stargrass. The adult stage of the Bermuda grass stem maggot is a small yellow fly which lays its eggs on the stem of the Bermuda grass plant. Once the eggs hatch, the maggot moves to the last or top node on the stem, burrows into the shoot, and consumes the plant material within the stem. Bermuda grass stem maggot damage resembles frost or disease damage on the Bermuda grass canopy. Upon closer examination, the chlorosis is restricted to the top two to three leaves of Bermuda grass tillers. The most characteristic sign is the ease of which these leaves can be pulled from the stem, revealing larval feeding damage within. The full-grown maggot is yellowish and about one-eighth of an inch long. Once the maggot completes feeding, it drops to the ground and enters the pupa stage. The adult fly later emerges from the pupa. The life cycle from egg to adult fly requires about three to four weeks, and there are several generations a year. Management recommendations suggest that if damage is found, proceed to harvest the crop as soon as weather conditions allow. Once the damage becomes apparent, the crop is unlikely to add a significant amount of yield. Depending on the time of year and variety, damage can reach 80% yield loss. In Texas, yield loss has been estimated to be 8.9 pounds per acre of Bermuda grass dry matter loss for each percentage of stems damaged. The damaged crop should be cut and baled and removed from the field as soon as weather conditions allow. Leaving the damaged crop in the field will only compete with any attempts for the plant to regrow and decrease the opportunity that the next cutting will have time to accumulate. Maggots feeding in the stem will die once the crop is cut and dried for harvest. However, flies will emerge from pupa in the soil and reinfest the field. To protect the regrowth from infestation, apply a pyrethroid insecticide 
about seven days after cutting to kill adult flies. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. If you find a fawn that appears to be abandoned, there's one thing you can do that might help save the fawn's life. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we're in the middle of fly season here in Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We are right in the middle of fly season here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd discusses several fly control options for cattle. Flies cause a significant loss of production in cattle. The main three flies involved with cattle are the horn fly, face fly, and stable fly. And all these flies have different life cycles, feeding patterns, and resting habits to make fly control even more difficult. Dr. Tony Hawkins indicates at Drovers.com that there are several different forms of self-applicator rubs, including back rubbers, face strips, hung on back rubbers, fly bullets, and insecticide-saturated covers for ground-level mineral feeders. Rubs and dust bags provide regular insecticide application and can be very effective with correct installation and regular maintenance. It is important to hang dust bags at shoulder height of the cattle you are treating or even lower so cattle have to lift the bag with their head to pass under it. If they can get under the bag without touching it, they will do so unless you lower it. The dust bag must be kept in a shelter that is dry because if it gets wet, the insecticide will clump and not dispense properly. Back rubbers must be recharged regularly with an oil-based insecticide and must feel wet to the touch to be effective. To recharge the back rubber, take it down and place it in a tub and pour the insecticide on it so it soaks in rather than pouring the liquid on the rubber while it is hanging. For those with face flies and pink eye problems, an insecticide saturate cover for a mineral feeder is available. Feed-through fly control products are available but must be started earlier in the year. Products applied by the cattle producer include sprays and pour-ons. These products must be applied frequently and at a high enough concentration to kill and repel flies. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you find a fawn that appears to be abandoned, there's one thing you can do that might help save its life. Jessica Domel tells what that is in today's Wildlife Report. This time of year, you might find a fawn lying down in a flower bed or bedded down in a field. And although it may appear as though the young deer has been abandoned and in need of help, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service reports that sometimes the best thing to do is just leave the fawn alone. Dr. Jacob Dykes, Extension Wildlife Specialist, says deer use strategies to keep fawns safe that are often misinterpreted by well-meaning people. He says those people have a great responsibility to simply leave the fawn alone. 
According to AgriLife, does will leave a bedded fawn alone, so her own presence and scent won't attract predators to the fawn. For the first few weeks of a fawn's life, the doe and her fawn actually spend most of their time apart. But the doe rarely ventures more than 100 yards away from her fawn. She will return to the fawn several times a day for just long enough to nurse it. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, a study found that in some years, 40% or more fawns that were referred to state-certified wildlife rehabilitators were not orphaned or injured. They were just taken from their mother. Research also shows that captive-raised fawns are not likely to survive when they're returned to the wild, mainly because they lack survival skills. At least one study indicates that while released fawns can die from many different causes, the majority are killed by predators. There are some instances where human intervention is needed to protect fawns. If you find a fawn in a place where it shouldn't be and could be hurt, like a parking lot or a business, contact your local game warden. A list is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The feeder cattle market took a big jump to start the trading week on Monday, but the grain market's headed lower. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk, on my way to work, in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for, is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle close mix to kick off the trading week on Monday, but feeder cattle saw some nice gains. August live cattle dropped five cents, one eighty twelve. The October down thirty seven, one eighty two twenty five. December live cattle up seven cents at one eighty five eighty five. Triple digit gains on the feeder cattle market. August feeders up two sixty, two forty nine twenty five. September feeder cattle up 220 at 251.42, October up a dollar 87 252.35. Cash fed cattle market quiet to get the week started on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the Southern Plains in a wide range from 175 to 180. That's three bucks lower to two bucks higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed Monday choice up a dollar 13 30707. Select down 35 cents, 276.26. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan sold cattle in San Saba Thursday. Ken, tell us about it. You bet, Larry. We had a good run day. Got the overall quality set of cattle. Had right at 2,466 head of cattle. Just shy of the 2,500 head. A lot of buyer interest from uh, a large number of buyers uh, that we had on in our orders from uh, all over the Midwest and all throughout the uh, Panhandle and Oklahoma area, too, which really helped the uh, market as a whole. I thought of all the stocker steers, they were probably $8 to $12 higher today. 
I thought the Stalker heifers on a whole were probably eight to fourteen dollars higher. Just a lot of good demand on those. Get into their feeder steers. Just I thought they were probably seven to fourteen dollars higher. Had a group of five steers today with eight eighty five to two sixteen, right at nineteen hundred and twelve dollars on those cattle. Just uh, I also had a draft of forty steers weighed seven thirty at two twenty seven a pound. They dollared out right at sixteen hundred and fifty seven dollars on those. The feeder heifers were probably eight to eighteen higher with four heifers weighing seven sixty three today at two oh four dollaring out fifteen hundred and fifty six dollars. It'll change all those. Our cows were very active today. I thought over uh, about six to ten higher. We had a top cow bring a dollar twenty-three today. Monday we had dollar seventeen, I believe it was. I thought overall bulls were probably steady three dollars higher on those. So everywhere good market pairs for big cows. What we did have were steady. We just had limited tests, not really good time of the market late. But we'll do we'll that next Saturday with our big female sale we're going to be having on the 22nd of July. We'll get about 3400 or something to arrive for that sale next week later. Good deal. Tell everybody how to contact you, Ken. Yeah, give us a call or go 325-372-515 now. It's good time to replace a few over cows and even sell your effort to probably buy some cows. Uh, we got that uh, list already up on our website, Larry, at jordanatcattle.com. And so take a look at that. Give us a call if you need to. That's at 325-372-5159. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbor, thanks for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finish mixed on Monday. July hogs up 37 cents, 102.35. The August down $1.42 at 94.77. Class 3 milk was higher. July milk up a penny, 13.83, 100 weight. August milk up 32 cents at 15.41 a hundred. The cotton market ended up closing higher. Technical buying and a weaker U.S. dollar both helping to boost the market a bit. October cotton up 83 points at 83.49. December cotton up 91, 82.13. The grain markets took a drop on the close. However, to start the trading session, both corn and wheat were higher on news that Russia would not extend the Black Sea grain deal. But we could not hang on to those higher levels. Both corn and wheat turned around and headed lower on the close. September corn down seven and a quarter, four ninety-nine and a quarter. December corn down seven and three quarters at five oh six a bushel. Double digit losses in hard wheat. September Kansas City wheat off thirteen and three quarters, eight fifteen and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down seven and three quarters at six fifty-three and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas lost a penny, two fifty-two. August West Texas crude oil down a dollar thirty-one, seventy-four eleven a barrel. The financial markets were slightly higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 77 points, 34,586. The Nasdaq up 126 at 14,240. The S&P up 16, 4,522. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.